Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode 14 of Movie Dumpster. Today we're talking about Big Bully from 1996, directed by Steve Miner. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Shona Rourke. I'm Connor Fang McGraw. Welcome to the dumpster. Okay, so I'm David Leary, all right? So what are you going to do about it? You want to hit me? I'm an adult now, do you understand? I'm not a little kid, so if you've got something to say, say it. Otherwise, quit following me. You dropped your pen. So initially, I wasn't excited about watching a Tom Arnold movie, but now that it's all said and done with, I think I might have liked this more than most of what we watched. I remember this being on like USA and I and I or like Cinemax or some some rerun channel bullshit. And uh, when I was a kid, and I was like, "Oh, that's the guy from Ghostbusters! I love this movie. I, I love him." Exactly, Joe. That's exactly how I was. You know, when we were talking about movies to do for this episode, this was one of those movies that I was like, "You know what?" As a kid, I remember watching this often and enjoying it. But maybe I was just a dumb kid. And I think I was still a dumb kid, but this movie is better than it deserves to be. This movie is strange. Yeah, it's weird. Um, it, it's really weird. It's kind of dark. It, it's dark. <laughs> and, and, you know, just to, not to, just to clarify, when I say it's better than it has any right to be, that doesn't mean it's actually good. No, it, it do, it's, it's not sure what it wants to be exactly. Right. Um, you know, on one hand, it's like a coming-of-age story. On another hand, it's like a redemption story. And, a, and on the, uh, another hand... And another hand, it's Cape Fear. It's Cape Fear, yeah. <laughs> With Tom fucking Arnold. All over a goddamn evil Knievel action figure. And a moon rock. The humor's so offbeat in this, you don't know when to laugh. Like, you don't know when you're supposed to laugh. Every ten jokes that, that are fired, like, they're just ten thuds. And then the 11th one, you're like, that was actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, maybe, like, one lands, and you're like, oh, yeah. So Rick Moranis is David Leary, and he's a little nerdy kid who who wants to grow up to be a writer, and he's constantly bullied by uh, this kid Roscoe Bigger, who he nicknames <laughs> <laughs> who he nicknames Fang because he has this giant fucking canine that sticks out of the side of his mouth when he smiles. Fun fact: uh, the kid the, in the beginning of the movie, they're kids, and the, the the kid that plays fucking Rick Moranis is the same kid that plays the younger version of himself in Little Giants. And the younger version of Tom Arnold is fucking Zoltek from The Little Giants. Oh my god, it is! The kid who wears the Holy fucking shit. Darth Vader helmet! Yeah, <laughs> that farts on everyone, that's his gimmick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny, it's like shared universe. We should have did a Rick Moranis uh, double feature here. The Rick Moranis Cinematic Universe, it's all connected. This is the time when I grew up to be a writer instead of a football coach. <laughs> this is the alternate timeline. In both movies, his kids both suck too. <laughs> And I swear to God, he's like the spitting image of Icebox as a dude. Yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of. Apparently, he won a, a, a fucking award for this part. The the son? Yeah, like a young uh, actor's award or something in that vein. What, were they giving him away that year? They had excess. They're just like, eh, we have enough of these. Just hand them out. Here you go. Good job for trying. <laughs> you did a good job looking out that window and looking sad. So, uh, Rick Moranis gets bullied by this kid, uh, Thang. By the way, the bullying tactics used in this movie don't exist anymore i don't think they ever did yeah we'll get to that so he's so he's bullied by this kid uh and then he sells him out after the kid commits a a, a small time uh theft 
and uh, or big time theft, depending on how you want to look at it. And then he uh, moves away and grows up, and then has to come back to town because he becomes a big shot writer. Hold on, Joe. I think you're getting a little ahead of yourself there. He doesn't really ever become a big shot writer. You know, there's he a... just becomes a writer. He's like a fucking drugstore paperback writer. This guy. Yeah. So so like the movie opens with like uh, Rick Maris giving like a little narration as he's a kid still getting beaten up by this kid. And, you know, all your classic bully you know traits. He he's on the seesaw and he and he drops Rick Moranis. I have something to say about the seesaw bullshit, okay? If I saw someone do this seesaw thing in public, like, I would call every adult I had, like, this is savage. <laughs> the atomic drop? The atomic drop onto a seesaw? He uses the atomic drop on him, he's, he pisses in his apple juice. Yeah, he's like, he's like, did you drink your juice yet? And he's like, no. And he's like, I peed in it. Bye. Which actually was probably the first legitimate laugh because of the way he nonchalantly says it. So, you're, so then you're thinking like it's just going to stop after that and we're going to fast forward. But then Rick Moranis is like, yeah, so then all that shit happened. And then I bought an Evil Knievel doll. Yeah, he's like, I bought an Evil Knievel doll. But first, let me tell you about my three friends that show up in one other scene in the film. But we got to make sure we, we cover this real quick. So we can make some really dark jokes later on. Well, well the first joke of the movie, too, just to, just to go to that, is that uh, Fang is mad at fucking David... Because they had a spelling bee, and uh, David was in charge of like picking who gets what words, and he's like, "You gave me USSR, and everyone laughed when I spelt it wrong." And then like da- Rick Moranis' character is like this little twerp that's getting beaten up repeatedly, but he still is like has this like little sarcastic attitude to himself. He's like, "Huh, you know, the two S's really threw me off." It's really hard. It's really hard to feel bad for Rick Moranis' character because he's just a little fucking twerp the whole time. Like he's. I'm like, you're already getting beat on. Quit being a jackass about it. Yeah, but he's not particularly sympathetic about it no. either. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, like you're not like, asshole. oh, I feel bad for you. And, I'm like, and then at the same time, you're like, good, you fucking little shit. Like, <laughs> so you meet his friends. Uh, you meet this guy, Ulf. Is his name? What's his name? U-L-F. Ulf. I thought his name was Elf. No, Ulf, like, oh, it's like something that you would do when you, you watch fucking Dungeons and Dragons. You Ulf all over the place. Like if you get punched in a fucking Batman episode, Ulf. Biff. He's apparently a pyromaniac. Uh, no, not apparently. He's, he is absolutely a pyromaniac. Like, overtly. <laughs> <laughs> he has this friend, Jerry, who I guess his parents own, like, the meat, uh, the butcher or whatever. He's like a fat little German kid. Yeah, he's walking around eating a literal pepperoni. With a fucking deli meat. And Rick Moranis is like, yeah, when we were in school and uh, the teacher asked him how many food groups there were, he said meat and everything else. And it's like, you're going to fucking have a heart attack by the time you're fucking 25. He <laughs> will be dead by 30. And then the third friend is Alan, uh, the one black kid in the group. His whole thing is that he could stick his whole fucking hand in his mouth. Like, that's that, that's his thing. Here's the thing with that. Rick Moranis is like, yeah, he was the only black kid in the whole fucking town. And the only reason he hung out with us white kids was because he could stick his whole fist in his mouth. The only reason we accepted this black guy is because he's a freak. Yeah, it's kind of a bizarre reason to hang out with the guy. I mean, like, he does seem like probably the most level-headed out of the group. I mean, he owns, like, you know, when you find out later that he owns a fucking bar, which is kind of cool. But then he's never seen again. No, he's not. The justification he gives for, like, hanging out with a black kid is like, yeah, well, you know... He, he does something weird, so uh, we let it slide. Makes up for him being black. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it, it's almost like the you know the writers of this movie, it's like they, they read it and they're like, hey, what can we take from that but like not make it as dark? But kind of dark, but not that dark. That's just supposed to be an upbeat comedy. It's a family movie. Yeah, sure it is. I guess. <laughs> well, I don't even know what the fuck this is supposed to be. It's certainly not like a, a flat-out comedy. The only other character that they really introduce in the beginning that comes back is this uh, is Victoria. 
Victoria, which they all kind of have a crush on, but it's kind of implied early on, even as a teenager or young teen, preteen, whatever they're supposed to really be. She's got the hots for Davy. Yeah, and he's like, oh man, look at her. She's looking at you, man. She wants it. And I'm like, ew. I don't think I've ever heard a child use that phrase. So then you have the whole scene with the seesaw and the, the piss juice. And basically you find out that they're going to have this quote unquote moon rock in town. And Davy, I don't know, Davy, David, it, I, it doesn't matter. He's, he sucks either way. Rick Moranis is, is writing in his fucking journal this, this mock story. Oh, here's his wallet. It says his name's Lewis Tully. <laughs> <laughs> He writes this story based on, like, rumors he heard about, like, they're going to have the fucking Spaceball Cadets with AK-47 surrounding this fucking moon rock. Is this Don Knotts' appearance? Because this actually got an audible laugh out of me. When they come show the moon rock at school, this old guy, he goes up to the moon rock and he goes to touch it. And the people are like, no, don't touch that or we're going to fucking shoot you down. And he's like, he says the teacher, he says, he can't hear them because he's deaf or something. And then just cuts to Don Knotts going, look up and he goes, I'm deaf or something. (laughs) Don Knotts, like, also his principal or something? Yeah, I guess it's implied the principal but maybe there was a scene missing in that beginning part no well no i mean we were introduced to him later but like it's the whole thing where like kids incorporate people from their real life into like their fantasy stories yeah i just i could watch that clip of just don Knotts. just i'm deaf or something <laughs> well i wish he was in the movie more yeah he he is criminally uh missed in this film yeah he's, he's in like maybe three or four scenes and he and he kind of fucking owns each one he's in it's fucking don Knotts. like what do you think <laughs> What are you doing here? So then he has the evil Knievel doll. Yes, so he has this evil Knievel doll he's very in love with. uh, And then Roscoe shows up. And, like, this kid's a piece of shit, too. Like, grabs his toy, rips the head off, and throws it downstream. It's like, I'd beat you to death at one of these river rocks if that happened to me. Rick Moranis' character has saved for, like, 12... Like, almost a whole year for not only Evil Knievel, but his uh, amazing motorcycle as well. And this little shit comes up and just fucking, in in a one swift motion, pulls the head off this fucking thing and just throws... You know, he's like the fucking scarecrow. He throws the head over there and the body in the river. And then he's just like, Ah, you fat fuck, why'd you do that? And he's like, Because I wanted to, man. Evil Knievel's a pussy. And he's like, One day day you're gonna pay for this, Roscoe! Or Fang, or whatever the fuck we call him. Yeah, saves up for an entire year for this entire kid. By the way, this action figure looks like it's made of um, peanut brittle. Because, like, this dude just picks up, he's like, the head just comes right off. <laughs> well, it's like one of those cloth action figures um, that were, like, big in, like, the, the 60s and 70s that are, like, making a comeback now. Are they? Yeah, NECA puts out a bunch of stuff. Like, they did Evil Dead ones, and they did Jason Voorhees and stuff like that. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't bother to defend himself or stand up for himself. He's like, oh, man, yo, just shakes his fist. He's like, yo, you'll regret this one day. So then we go back to the school. So now that we've we've seen all the torture uh, Fang has done to this little kid, this little prick, we finally get to the fucking transition to when he's an adult. So we're talking about that moon rock, and uh, it's on display in, like, the auditorium at school. So they all line up to get ready to go check it out. And they're all walking past it, and, like... Roscoe is standing in front of the moon rock and he's just like glaring at it like okay this kid's gonna do something in this fucking rock uh, and they're like move along fat boy and he fucking leaves and then uh, Rick Moranis you know Dave comes up and he's looking at it he's like uh, it's kind of fucking pathetic and, the, and the, there's like this colonel guy that's like displaying the, the rock like for well it's like a cop it's like some beat cop and at first no he's not a cop dude he's like a fucking he's like a colonel or some shit from the army. Well, the funny thing is here, you know, then, of course, the, the fucking rock goes missing. But is the implication there that him and that teacher went off the side to do something and that's why it went missing? She goes, 
Hey, hey, can I can I see that uh, moon rock? Can I touch it? And he's like, oh, well, well, I'm sure something could be arranged. So then, like, everybody leaves. And then uh, we cut back to David, and he's, like, coming out of a class. And some kid runs up. He's like, someone ganked the moon rock. And uh, we cut back to the auditorium. And this fucking woman is, like, walking from off screen. And she's, like, stage left. Yeah, she's pulling on a fucking boot and pulling down her blouse. And it's like, these people were fucking, and somebody stole the moon rock. <laughs> fucking slams his teach right off fucking screen. So Roscoe takes the fucking moon rock, and uh, later we find out, like, David, like, sees him down by, like, th- there's, like, this secret area, quote-unquote secret area, where they play, and there's, like, a waterfall and, like, a cave and shit. But don't go past the red rock. The fucking boogans are down there. The turtle monsters are gonna eat you. So he sees Roscoe playing with the rock, the moon rock, and he's like, that's it. I finally got it. So I'm going to get this fucking bully back. I'm going to tell the authorities that this little bastard stole it. I'm going to ruin his life. And he totally does. Well, not only does he tell on him, but he goes home. His parents tell him they're moving. And the same day, they literally fucking leave. Yeah, I have never seen anyone just, like, expedite so quickly out of their own home. Like Apparently, this is just a thing in this universe because it happens multiple times in this film. Did they move or did they flee? Yeah, right? Uh, sorry, son, we gotta go. Dad's got a new job. Witness protection calls. Say we gotta move again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in Oakland. They found the bodies. Let's go. They found the paper. <laughs> what have I told you, son? You have to stop doing this. This is what happens when you owe the Russian mob $65,000. They, they drive away in their car. They get the fucking U-Haul and they see uh, Roscoe getting, like, taken out. And you just, you see the dad, and you just kind of already, as a viewer, get that, okay, this guy's a shithead because his dad clearly looks like a fucking degenerate. They show this kid, this this Roscoe kid, Fang, get put into a fucking cop car, like, cuffed and put into a cop car. And he gets sent to this fucking reform school penitentiary. The way they describe this, I'm assuming he gets sent to the same place that, like, Brad Pitt and his friends got sent to in fucking sleepers, and Kevin Bacon was their fucking security guard. <laughs> That's exactly where it is. He's like, he's like, I got. Later, we find out he 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 gets sent to this place that's like for child murderers that like children who are murderers that can't go to big you know like big people jail yet. And he's like, yeah, I had to tell people that I stole a fucking rock. I look like an asshole, mate. Yeah, he's like, I was hanging out with this kid who set his mom on fire for not vacuuming his room or some shit like that. No, because she was vacuuming while Lost in Space was on. (laughs) That's what it was. (laughs) I I missed what the robot said, goddammit. You're gonna die now. I really like that joke. And that's when you do get that fast forward, Joe. Like, right after all this kind of happens. And then he's, he's basically trying... He has this book called The Last Straw. He's on a book tour. And like Sean said... He's promoting his latest book, which is called The Last Straw, and nobody wants to read it. Everybody that comes into the fucking store, the old lady, this old lady comes into the store and he's like, "Hey, you know what? It, you know what the latest Stephen King is?" And he's like, "Well, how? Uh, how about my book? I don't work here. I, I'm an author. You want to buy this?" And she's like, "What's it about?" And he's like, "It's about a guy who lost his family." And he's like. Can you tell me where the Stephen King books are? This is the longest Stephen King-related bit I've ever seen. He's like, here's what happened in my book. They get these animals, and they bury them in this place, and they come back to life. This fucking extra from Airheads comes in, and he's like, dude. He's like, what's up, man? He's like, do you know where the new Stephen King book is? He's like the third person to ask him by this point. So he's like, he's like, yeah, I know where it is. And he's like, but you want to read my book? He's like, oh, what's it about, man? And he's like, well, this guy... 
he takes his family and he sticks them in a fucking wood chipper. And then he buries the bodies in a nearby graveyard. And then the body pieces come back and kill him. And he's like, whoa, that sounds like Pet Cemetery." He's like, y- yeah, you know what? It is Pet Cemetery, but different. <laughs> and he's like, dude, can you sign my book? He's like, here you go. And that was the only copy he ever sold. No, he didn't even sell it because then the woman working there comes up and is like, you have a phone call. And he has to like, get up and leave. <laughs> you couldn't give it away, for Christ's sake. Oh, apparently he sold one copy, which you find out later. Yeah, what a writer he is. Hey, he sold more copies of a book than I did. I'll give him that much. That don't mean shit. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to throw him a bone. That's like that's like saying like somebody's like, I made five shitty movies and you haven't made any. And I'm like, yeah, but you still made five shitty movies. Was his name Uwe? Oh, God damn you. God. <sighs> Jesus Christ, he's like Voldemort. We don't speak his name. So he gets a phone call that his uh, his son's in trouble because his son's a piece of shit. <laughs> I've, I've laughed out loud when they cut because he's like, oh, your son's in trouble again. He's like, oh, gosh, I got to go pick up my son. Cut to the school and cue the rap music and a bunch of white kids. White, 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 white boys like <laughs> white delinquent kids and like this rap music playing is like are what are we doing here well and then immediately he's like i don't want you hanging out with those people and and his son's just like why those are my friends dad these so-called troublemakers who all look like uh they look like people who'd be in like a fucking hot topic ad in like 99 the fucking new kids on the block that's what they look like so the twist is that davy's son is a piece of shit bully yeah who, who would have thunk? Intrigue! This kid is such a little asshole, too. Like, he's all pissed off because his mom and dad got divorced, and he blames Rick Moranis. He's like, it's only your fault, Dad. This is why Mom left. You're such a coward, Dad. You're so pathetic, Dad. You're such a nerd, Dad. And it's like, Rick Moranis lets you do whatever the fuck you want to do, and you're still complaining. That many dads might earn a backhand from most parents, but not Rick Moranis. No, Rick Moranis is just like, hey, come on, man, don't talk to me like that. That hurt my feelings. Well, then he gets a letter from the old school that he used to go to, of just randomly like, hey, you know, you're a town hero. You want to come teach creative writing? And he's just like, he, he like looks at his son, who like just like drops his backpack in the middle of the room, and he's like, ha. And then it just slam cuts to them like driving. Because, again, people just pack up and move at a fucking drop of a hat in this movie. But, like, I, I thought that was because he had a lot of money because he was, like, a famous writer. But I don't think that's the case. He's only going there for a semester. Which wasn't really clear to me until the end of the movie. That was kind of bizarre. Yeah, but isn't that, like, a few months or something? It's not even a whole year. And they're like, yeah, we bought a house. We got neighbors and all this shit. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Buy a house for a few months. <laughs> In my old hometown. I mean, maybe he maybe he rented it. It did come furnished. I guess. But that was a lot of boxes. Well, in this universe, everyone's house is prepared to move uh, at a moment's notice. Especially Tom Arnold's. Actually, he has the only valid excuse. So they arrive in Minnesota, I think is where we go from here. And all of his weirdo friends are grown up, and his, his fucking pyromaniac friend is now a firefighter? Because someone allowed that to happen? But first we're introduced to, to his neighbor, uh, Jeffrey Tambor. Oh my god, he is. this is the, far and away the best character in the movie. Oh, easily. They just make me think of the fucking Dinklebergs from Doug. The Dinks? <laughs> oh yeah, the Dinks. Dinkleberg. Fuck me. God damn it. Dinklebergs from fucking Fairly Odd Parents. Where the hell is my head? Hi, hi Douglas. I'm Mr. Dink and this is my wife, Tippy. You wanna see my new fucking grill that I got, Douglas? 
I had completely forgot about Mr. Dink until this very moment. But yeah, they're they're just like the stereotypical like annoying neighbor that can't catch a hint, but like because it's Jeffrey Tambor, he like is funny about it. But like also the most annoying person possible. Like if this guy was my neighbor, like I I just would never leave my fucking house. Also, he's probably a serial killer. Which I think is the best little wrinkle in this movie. He flat out is a serial killer. <laughs> he, like, admits it. He's like, you know, the first... Well, we'll get to that. But uh, he's like... He's like, yeah, it's supposed to rain today. Uh, the forecast for the three days is a little bit of rain and then a flood, and then we're going to do some stuff. Hey, you want to come over later? Hey, I'm going to go chop some wood. You know what's great? Maybe, you, hey, you want to refinish your deck? I noticed your, your paint was peeling, and then you got to put some paint on it. I got some extra upstairs. Hey, your kid wants to play? In the, he should play in the band, you know? He, I got an extra tuba in my fucking attic. His whole bit is that he's fucking annoying. That's the bit. And meanwhile, while he's saying all this, they're, like, slowly walking into the house trying to, like, get away from these people, and they're literally, like, a foot behind them following them to the door. Like, I, I guess it's funny. I don't I don't know if that's, like, a gag about Minnesota. It is actually funny. I mean, it is one of the funnier uh, concepts in the film. I'm just saying, if this if, if I put myself in Rick Moranis' shoes, that this guy's fucking annoying. That's all I'm saying. I know, but it's, like, it's nothing compared to, like, the Ned Ryerson bit in, like, Groundhog Day. You know what I mean? Right, right. Is this where he uh he starts the school and this is where he meets all the teachers? Well, first, first Jeffrey Tambor, as you apparently David this just doesn't drive his fucking car to work. That's one thing. The second is Jeffrey Tambor's like ah, he's like you might be wondering why I'm out here chopping wood so early in this nice weather. He's like uh not really. <laughs> Art gives him a fucking history lesson on the use of Sam Hill. Oh, that's right, he does. What to say? Sam Hill, Sam Hill, Sam Hill. And Rick Moranis just stands there like okay. That's nice. The English came up with that. Sam Hill's a nobody. He's a euphemism. <laughs> what the hill? What the Sam Hill? And he just keeps repeating this over and over again. And Rick Moranis is like, okay, okay, I gotta go. So this movie passes off as a gag. So he gets to school, and this is this is the fucking teacher's lounge sequence, which is just like a fucking just, it's a, a fever dream of cigarette smoke and coffee. I loved it. I was like, oh, everybody's puffing away in this motherfucker. <laughs> I was like, this is so 90s. Also, I'm not sure how this movie feels about teachers. Hates them. Hates them, yeah. Well, it's supposed to say like, oh, kids, man, I can't deal with them. The first person we meet is Booger. Yeah. <laughs> He was my favorite character just because of how ridiculous he played this character. Yeah, it's pretty good. He's like a tweaker. He, like, drinks, like, way too much caffeine, and it has, like, a tick because of it. Yeah, that's the whole thing. While he's standing there having this little speech to himself, essentially, he's literally just standing there pouring co- or sugar into his coffee the entire time the scene is happening. It isn't it overflowing and, like, pouring the ground and shit? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's, like, got a whole sugar, like, container just upside down, just dropping into this fucking cup of coffee. And the whole time he's like, no one of these kids are bored. We're kind of the same thing for 30 years. I'm bored, too. <laughs> I'm just gonna go fucking smoke some goddamn crack. Well, no, that's David, apparently, according to him. That man is on crack. So then da- David's, like, kind of walking down the school, like, getting, like, reminiscing of old better days and he's like ah the librarian i can't believe she's still here right before that we we get we get introduced to victoria again grown-up victoria who's a total babe and what a strong character she is yeah oh my goodness like <laughs> this woman has been waiting around for rick moranis to come back are you shitting me which is also a running gag in the movie that what you just said it's not supposed to be funny well i think the joke is every time that like She's checking him out, and someone has to comment on it. He's, like, clicking his fucking heels. He's like, man, I got lucky. <laughs> she's like, she's staring at you, man. She's, she wants it. She does. So uh, so she's like, hey, how you been, blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, you should catch up. All right, well, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently she teaches sex. 
education. Yeah. Oh, she's like, I teach sex. And he's like, what? Excuse me? She's like, oh, sexual education. Wink, wink, wink. So you're the health teacher. You don't teach sex ed year round, okay? That's a gag run through the movie. He's like, oh, that's the sex teacher. It's like, you mean the health teacher. If you teach sex education, you're smoking hot. Is that is that what they're going for here? Like, that's just a default thing? I guess. So David, he's walking around the school. He's trying to get more familiar with it, get back into the groove. And he walks into the fucking library. And he's, he's like, oh, wow, you remember me? He's like, oh, this library, it's where I learned how to, to what does he fucking say? He's like, oh, it opened my imagination. He literally says, like, where I learned how to read books. It's like, yeah, that's what you fucking do at a library. It's a, it's a library. You don't hunt elephants here. And th- this woman has this most sour fucking look on her face the second she sees him. Well, you know, it's that green eggs and ham, man. It's way overdue. Here's the bill, motherfucker. From 1965, $8,000. Could you not just go could you not just go to the local Barnes and Noble and get a copy of Green Eggs and Ham for $4? It's like $6,500 he owes or some shit. And, and this is like a through-line joke that is brought up like from beginning of the movie to the fucking last scene. I got to find that copy of Green Eggs and Ham. Then uh he teaches his first class and this is where you're introduced to Kirby who you later find out is Tom Arnold's son. This poor bastard. Who the fuck raises their hand and says, I have to urinate? You're asking for an ass-kicking, buddy. I'm sorry, but just don't do that. Just say you have to go to the bathroom. Well, every every character in this movie is a stereotype of some kind. Immediately after this, uh, Davey, Rick Moranis' kid, starts bullying this kid in the most, like, overproduced, like set up elaborate way like corners him with like an audience of 60 people he like knocks into him and then he yells at the kid and then and then the fucking kid is going through puberty who squeaks every five seconds is like fight 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 and then he picks on the little kid because he wants to be cool i guess to fit in i yeah it's weird it's like clearly like the peer pressure's getting to him because he's like kind of like doesn't seem like he wants to do it at first and then like when he like starts going in on kirby he's like This power trip feels pretty good right about now. Yeah, so, like, that that's what I was trying to say at the beginning. Like, I, I don't, I'm not sure, like, what we're supposed to be learning from this movie. Like, him and Kirby's relationship is very much like, I'm a big bully, and you're the little kid. But then they're like, yeah, this is stupid. Why are we even doing this? Let's just be friends. But it doesn't exactly echo what the fuck's going on with Rick Moranis. No, because a lot of that happens off screen, and at some point they just show up, they're like, we're friends now. Yeah, but, like, the the steps that we get with, like, Tom Arnold and, like, why he starts bullying Rick Moranis again, it's just, it's dark. He goes off the fucking deep end is what happens. He goes nuts! He has a psychotic break, okay? <laughs> yeah, he has a fucking episode, twice! Well, well, the thing is, you know, we talked about it a little bit, but, uh... You know, he meets, they, they meet each other because they get into this, their kids get into a fight, but neither of them kind of make the correlation quite yet. And Tom Arnold is talking about, you know, oh, you know, I'm the shop teacher. And he's like way reserved. Like he's clearly like just like a total polar opposite of how he was at the beginning of the film. He's, he's a pushover now. Yeah, he's a total pushover. He's like, yeah, I, I'm the shop teacher and I cut my thumb off and uh, I, I went to the emergency room, but I could, I you know, they, they weren't there. So I, so then I went to the hardware store and I sewed my fucking thumb back on. And he's like, wow, that's that's amazing. Uh, gotta go. Well, and this is also where Rick Moranis, when he when he goes to walk away, he sees Fang's literal Fang, and then he, like, puts two and two together. He's like, oh, fuck. And then I forget how they, they're outside because the fire alarm gets pulled or something. He's like, hi, I'm I'm Roscoe Big, Biggums or whatever the fuck, Roscoe Bigger. And he, like, gives him a handshake, and he's like, what's your name? And he's like, D- David. And he's like, David what? David what? David what? And he's like, David. And then he's about to say his last name, and the fucking 
the fire drill goes off and like all the kids okay what the fuck with this fire drill the fire drill goes off and there are kids running like crazy throughout the hallway they're not single file they're not leaving properly and then we go outside and there there's a fucking fire truck and these fucking kids are jumping all over the fire truck what the fuck is going on what fire drill have you been to where the kids are jumping all over the fucking fire truck and have it's like a goddamn carnival yay fire drill well meanwhile david's over there hyperventilating and and ulf sees him from behind and is like davy he's got a real recognizable back of his head and he's like hey buddy Want to smoke? Is this a scene where he's on fire in the background? Yeah. The gag is like, oh, he's a pyromaniac. Now he's a fireman. It's funny. And he's like, hey, you got to come hang out with the gold gang down at the bar. And he's like, what's his face? Alan. Owns a bar now. He's like, oh, we got a bar. He's like, yeah, right right next to the church. <laughs> Which does produce one of the better jokes. I'll give him that much. Then he's like, all right, we'll see you later. And then Ulf like, turns to the kids and he's like, hey, kids, want to see me light my fucking arm on fire? <laughs> And then uh, David runs into Victoria again, and he's talking to her. And in the background, <laughs> Ulf just has his fucking arm on fire. So the so the fire the fire drill is over, and we go back inside, and we see Tom Arnold's uh, woodshop class. And it's clear that the kids, you know, really take advantage of this guy. They like throw he, one of the one of the little pricks throws a fucking eraser at him and hits him in the back of the head. And he turns around, and he's like, he's like, okay, okay, who throw who throw that? He barely reacts he's like oh, okay all right like he does that thing that people do that are clearly holding it in he just like cringes and then like doesn't do anything and then uh, he somehow figures out david's last name and then well not yet first it's still kind of up in the air for like a little while um you have this scene the first the first implication of this show connie that just comes up repeatedely throughout the fi- the film uh, I guess just kids watch it, adults watch it. It's a fucking popular show. It's like Ricky Lake or like Sally Jesse or some shit. Woman's in love with her turtle. Guy divorced his wife because his fucking dog could open a beer can and his wife couldn't. Then, um, while after this scene is when he goes to the bar and they have this funny shot because they're like the joke is oh it's next to the Methodist church. So uh, they have the the inside the bar the the camera pans to the fucking priest taking like two shots and then uh, Rick Moranis walks in and it's like some old Irish priest he goes ah thank you my son for some reason I thought he said moshi moshi when he walked out <laughs> and I'm like wait a second I was like that guy wasn't Japanese he's not on the telephone what's happening I really wish he did now. <laughs> mushy mushy yeah that's what i thought i heard he goes mushy mushy and he just leaves and i guess that's not what happened <laughs> well then, then david meets up with his friends and they're like ah oh, yeah get a drink for david come on what do you want he's like uh, corona with lime and a literal record scratch and everyone turns and the fucking guy playing pool shoots the cue ball off the table <laughs> he's like ah oh, i'll just get a course course light and a bratwurst and they're like oh yeah and everything like goes back to normal oh this is where they talk about how uh, ross roscoe when he was little i guess while he was uh, serving time in children's penitentiary david's like you guys remember fang and he's like yeah how could we forget he fucking beat the piss out of you all the time another fun fact you know, I had the fun facts keep fucking coming. The guy that plays adult Alan, the guy that was eating meat in the beginning, him and Rick Moranis are both in Honey, We Fucking Shrunk Ourselves. He's like the other dad. In like the same year. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's kind of like a weird series of events. I've never seen Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. And also, we never talked about this, but Steve Miner fucking directed this movie. Yeah. So, you know, th- this fucking guy, you know, you got Friday the 13th, part two and three. That might explain a little bit of the darkness in this movie. Well, w- when we get to the wood scene, I was going to bring it up. He, he does Lake Placid. He did Halloween H2O. Warlock. Uh Uh-oh, Smallville. Alan's going to come crashing through my wall any second now and tell me about all ten seasons of Smallville. (laughs) It's only one fucking episode. (laughs) It doesn't matter. (laughs) And he did House, one of my favorite movies. Yeah, it was just a bunch of films that, like, I didn't, like, I didn't know this guy, but when I looked at his his Wikipedia page, I was like, wow, I've seen most of these films, and I'm just like, why the fuck did he get, why did he sign on for this? Well, then he started doing stuff like Forever Young and My Father the Hero. True. Maybe for the same reason George Miller was like, I'm going to make a movie about dancing penguins. <laughs> Fair enough. Why? I'm going to make a movie about Tom Arnold being a bully. So this is kind of like what you guys were saying where, you know, Rick Moranis finally finds out, like, what he did, like, had way worse fucking... Repercussions. Yeah, because, like, it, it, Ross's parents just skip town while he's at the orphanage. Oh, no, no, it's, no, he's, they, he's, they skip town while he's uh, serving time. Um, and then he's raised in the orphanage system. It's really fucked up what happened to this little kid. But, like, this little boy pissed in somebody else's juice. Fuck you. It's hard to feel bad for anybody in this movie. Yeah, like, why do I care? Like, oh, this kid's life was ruined. And, uh, the one dude's like, I don't wish something like that on anybody that I know. And I'm like, I don't know, man. This kid was a little bastard. Like, he's kind of a piece of shit. Yeah, he beat the shit out of Rick Moranis, like, every day. And he has that song that he sings to Rick Moranis as he's beating him up. Oh, yeah, the polar bear one. I thought you were talking about Wooly Bully that we get fucking treated to twice in this movie. Oh, my God. Which doesn't even make any fuck sense they really they really love that song i can't remember how but i think this is where roscoe learned it's leery yes so basically you have the scene at the bar where where david's kind of starting to feel like maybe he made a mistake for 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 fucking telling on uh, fang and you cut to fang's house and you kind of get an idea of, like how his life is going shit he's he's like 13 kids it's bad the only good thing about hit about his fucking property is that he's got a lagoon on the side of the house with a nice fucking dock everything else looks like shit it's right on the mississippi uh and carol kane is his fucking wife yeah he has like 13 kids carol kane's his wife and like his wife is this kind of just she lays about the house just i think it seems like she has a lot of money spent on her does is not an active parent and just kind of lays around she like asks like he comes in he's like hi honey hey how you doing she's like paycheck and he gives him the gives her the paycheck and she's like, he's like, oh, can we buy a new Santa? And she's like, we can't afford it. Yeah, the one thing that would make him happy. She's like, nope, sorry. Yeah, fuck you. And like, these little kids are terrorizing. With, with the exception of Kirby, who sits on the dock every night and writes poetry, the rest of his kids are little pieces of shit and like terrorize the whole fucking house, or the trailer, I should say. Terrorize an understatement. These kids are like drawing on the walls. They're ripping up the carpets. Like, they're they're... They're just actively destroying the property. Yeah, like, do kids act like that? I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't have kids, and nobody I know has. Everybody I know has either infants or full-grown kids. It's like Overboard with Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. Exactly, exactly. Which they're remaking, just so you know. Oh, God, yeah, because we need that. They, remember, like, when Kurt Russell, like, takes her, like, after she gets hit over the head or whatever, and he takes her back to the, uh to his house and he's like yeah these are your kids and the fucking house is in shambles and there's kids like reading they're like reading playboy and like fucking pissing on the walls and shit except that that was a good movie yeah it was actually funny agreed uh so so then he kind of like he he it seems like the only kid he kind of gets along with is kirby which is kind of funny because of how much of an asshole he is 
and how nice Kirby is. And that's where Kirby is kind of like, I'm doing my homework for for Mr. Leary. And he's like, Leary? Oh, see, I missed that part. And then the Kill Bill sound plays. Wee, wee, wee. <laughs> Because this is when this is when a full-grown adult has a complete psychotic episode for the rest of the movie. Um, then you have this fucking lunch scene, which is like the one scene in the movie that I just like is burned into my fucking brain for some reason. You, you have Booger sitting there eating his food. Well, not eating his food, just pouring salt on it for three minutes straight. Wait a second, wait a second. Before you go into that, I just want to mention one thing. Rick Moranis realizes that it's Fang, so that night he's at his house and he's just like shook about it and he's sitting on his couch and it's like nine o'clock at night or like 9 30 10 o'clock at night you know it's dark out and his fucking kid comes downstairs with his skateboard he's like all right dad i'm going down to the park and rick moranis is like but it's dark what are you going to the park for he's like yeah yeah that's what happens when when, when night comes and rick moranis is just like all right well see you later this kid is like fucking 10 you know what you do at night at the park Smoke pot. That's what you do. Yeah, or drink. Or drink, okay? He's not going to skateboard. He's going to get fucked up. Hey, man, he's got to do something to get through this divorce. My point is, there is no leash on this motherfucker whatsoever. Well, Rick, Rick Moranis is spineless in every aspect of his life in this movie. I guess that's what we're getting at. Maybe he's secretly spying on Jeffrey Tambor to make sure that his w- doesn't kill his fucking wife. He's across the street in, like, a ghillie suit and binoculars. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, except he's outside Victoria's window. He's like, oh, a sex teacher. And then he sees her dating his father, and he's like, ah! Oh, my spank bank's depleted! You're gonna be my new mom! How would you cope with, like, your new, like, stepmom is, like, teaching you how the fucking (laughs) fucking reproductive system works? I'm not going to... That's a dark path. That is not something I need an answer to. (laughs) So the next day, Rick Moranis, he's... They just cut right to lunch. And uh, he goes, he, he, for some reason, keeps trying to be friends with Booger, which, by the way, his name's actually Clark in this movie, but I'm going to continue to refer to him as Booger. The guy clearly, like, wants to be left alone, and, and Rick Moranis keeps, like, trying to be buddy-buddy with him, and he's just sitting there pouring salt on what they call hot dish. And this is the first mention of peas. We get a breakdown of what hot dish is. You want to explain that? Isn't it just like, it's, it's, it's like several pieces of, like, school food that's been, just been congealed together through heat? I'm going to explain this to you because... It's explained to us. <laughs> Why is this in the movie? Booger's like, yeah, well, we had lasagna on Wednesday, right? And McMahon's like, yeah. And he's like, well, then they heat it up, and then it turns into spaghetti. And then they heat it up, and it turns into hot lunch. Here you go. Hold on. How does lasagna turn into spaghetti? I don't know. That's alchemy. (laughs) You're transforming one thing into something else entirely. There's strange things afoot at the middle school. He explains all this. Meanwhile, as he's talking the whole time, just pouring salt on, I guess that's like this guy's tick. He just like use as much ingredients as possible before he eats anything. Well, it reminds him of his after school activity, which is just mountains of cocaine. He's like, I need snow. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta get a snow cat up here, Larry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna need some snow. So Rick Moranis kind of pushes his food around with his fork, and then fucking Fang just starts flicking peas at him. For Okay, first of all, Fang is not just flicking peas at him. Fang is flicking peas at him from across the room, from the corner of the room, through like 35 people. Dude should have been a goddamn sniper in the military. Yeah, he has deadly accuracy. They don't just like tap Rick Moranis, like you hear like audible like... Every time he gets hit with one. You hear a legitimate, like, thwack noise and it hits him in the face. Except Clark doesn't hear any of this because he's so focused on fucking putting more salt on his food. He's like, 
that guy's throwing peas at me. And Booger's like, you're a fucking weirdo, man. Stop talking about the peas. He says something like, maybe it's a conspiracy. Maybe there's a second gunman. Yeah, maybe there's a second gunman. <laughs> He's like a major <laughs> asshole about it. I love that line so much. Who cares? Maybe it's a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> He fucking hates Rick Moranis. He's like, get away from me. I don't want to talk to you anymore. He, like, moves the tray down to get away from him. Like, JFK, there was a second gunman. He's like, what do you want me to do about it? And he's like, just watch that guy throw a pee at me. And he's like, no. No. Leave me alone. So he throws a third one at him, and Rick Moranis, like, doesn't even touch his lunch. He just gets up and leaves. And then they, like, they focus on the shot of Booger still pouring the salt on his plate. And then finally stop, take a bite, fucking, like, visibly twitches, and then, like... Pours more on it. I kind of love all the extra characters in, the movie, in this movie. They make the movie. <laughs> they do. And when your peripheral characters make you laugh more than our main characters, that's a problem. That's the problem I had with Yes Man. And I like Yes Man. I think Yes Man's pretty funny. It is pretty funny, but I, when I first saw it, I remember finding myself yelling at the... Uh, yelling. Laughing at the supporting characters more than I did Jim Carrey. Well, it's because Jim Carrey's there just doing liar, liar, enhanced... That's all it is. Phoning in liar liar. So he's all freaked out about having to having Fang after him again, right? And he thinks he's going nuts. So then he's leaving the school at night and like Fang's like walking behind him, which is a creepy stock sequence when he's walking down the hallway. It really is, because like it's you, you don't really get a good idea of how large of a man Tom Arnold is until you see him stalking someone like Rick Moranis. Yeah, but Rick Moranis is also a very small man. Another thing too, just for people that are that haven't seen what they look like in this movie, like Rick Moranis pretty much wears like a, a what you would expect a teacher to wear, like a suit but nothing too fancy. And and uh, Tom Arnold basically just has this like blue lab coat on the entire film that just like makes him look way more intimidating than he already is. Tom Arnold looks like he's about to put on a Michael Myers mask. Like he looks like he's getting ready to jump into a blue jumpsuit. And this is before he like lost all the weight, so he's he's a he's a large, heavy set man. So anyway, he's like he's like stalking up uh, Rick Moranis, and he finally catches up to him, and Rick Moranis just like. Is like, fuck you, you know, you used to bully me, like, I get it, I know you know who I am, you know, I'm not afraid of you anymore, and he's like, you dropped your pan, and he's like, oh, thanks, see ya, and then he opens the door, and he, and he fucking smiles, and you see the big fang, and what does he say, he says something, oh, he does say something, I can't remember what it was, he says something smart to him, like, oh, it's good having you back around here, Davey. You fucked. Welcome back. This is where Tom Arnold becomes the Joker, essentially, what happens. <laughs> yeah. he's, like, he's like, you complete me. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly Like, literally. No. He's like, you're my yin to my yang, baby. And Rick Moranis was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Get away from me. He's like, you're my friend. Then the rest of the movie, Tom, Tom Arnold is like just wide-eyed staring into space like, I'm going to plan some stuff. Meanwhile, David has like bully PTSD. He's like fucking shell-shocked from this one encounter. Yeah, he won't leave the house. Well, he's shell-shocked because of how miserable he made him when he was a kid and he found out like what happened to him so he's he's like this guy's fucking unhinged now that he's coming after me turns out he's not unhinged yet which is even creepy <laughs> yeah, this is the this is the build-up so he leaves the school and he sees kirby walking home and he's like kind of like walking kirby home and he's basically just like you know has my son been bothering you and he's like yeah and he's like yeah you gotta stand up to ben and he's like 
are you kidding me? If you do that, he'll cream he'll cream me. And he's like, yeah, he'll beat the shit out of you. So uh, I wouldn't do that. It's like the worst advice ever. He gives him the worst bully advice. He gives him the most defeatist bully advice I've ever seen. He's like, you know what happens? Sometimes just let it happen. You know, just <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like, I used to pay my bully fifty cents a week to stay away. He's like, maybe if you uh, just move one day, you'll get lucky and won't have to deal with it. He's like, yeah, stop taking a shower and you fucking stink, and then no bully will touch you ever. And then and then Kirby fucking makes fun of him. He's like, I guess you didn't get a lot of dates, Mister Leary. Yeah, he's like, hey, Mister Leary, you're a fucking idiot. You're a loser. How many? books have you sold <laughs> i would have fucking killed for that kid to drop that on him so kirby goes inside he's like want to come in and he's like nah and he's like all right fuck off see ya and then uh he walks back down the driveway and fang is there and he's like hey what are you doing talking to my kid and he's like uh yeah i'm just i'm just going he's like where you going davy boy huh 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 this is when he starts getting like fucking kooky and he's like i'm like i'm gonna have fun with this guy uh and terrorize the shit out of him and he like fucks with Rick Moranis to a point where like he starts to run away and Fang is like Tom Arnold's like I'm coming after you Davey and fucking Rick Moranis runs into the woods full sprint like last of the Mohicans (laughs) Tom Arnold just is like yeah fucked with him enough for today and just goes inside like but he's totally getting off like this is the first instance where you see it and he's like whistling and shit he's like yeah that felt great I'm back. I'm back, baby. It's the part of the movie, too, where I'm almost like, this guy's an asshole, but, like, I kind of get it. Like, he kind of hates his life. He's been, um holding his emotions back fully for years, repressing them, and now that this guy's back in his life, like, oh, yeah, I remember when I was a kid. I, I, I was more fun to be around, but also you were an asshole. And then this is where he, like, breaks out of the woods and ends up running right into Booger. And we're right in front of the yes. school again. <laughs> and Booger's like, oh, my God. Jesus Christ, get away from me. And he's like, wait a he minute. He starts running away from yeah. like, he shit his pants. Yeah, he's like, Clark, wait, Clark. And he's just like, fuck off, leave me alone. <laughs> he's like, what? More peas? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> More peas? So then Victoria's like across the street and she's like, She's like, hey, Dave, where you been? Uh, uh, what have you been hiding? He's like, oh, what are you talking about? I'm not hiding. I'm not a pussy. And she's like, no, that's, it's a figure of speech. And he's like, oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. It's a turn of phrase. How do you turn a phrase? (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I'm chaperoning the dance tonight. You want to come and fucking dance with me? And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 I guess so. I got nothing else going on. My kid hates me and I'm a fucking loser. All right. I'm only going to date the hottest woman in town. Sure. She's like, oh, if you don't want to go, you don't have to. He's like, I've been waiting to hear those words since the sixth grade. Ah, wet dreams. You you know how many times I fucking jerked off to you? Yeah, you know how many times I've waited for you to say, I'm shepherding the dance tonight? Oh, damn. My collar is hot. And it's a Western theme, too. If Rick Miranda's rolled into any kind of old, dingy Western town dressed the way he was, I would hope at least 15 people just beat his ass. They probably would. (laughs) Yeah, all multiple clones of Tom Arnold just beat the shit out of him. (laughs) We don't take kindly to nerds around here. I was going to say, speaking of Fang, he's like the only other teacher at this fucking thing that's actually dressed in some kind of uh, cowboy outfit. This woman tells this poor guy that like, she's like, yeah, it's a Western theme, so we're, you know, look like a fucking cowboy, essentially. And uh, he goes home and like puts on a fucking cowboy hat and all his shit, and Ben's like, you're a fucking nerd, Dad. And he's like, I got a date with the sex teacher. And he's like, no way! Lose the hat! (laughs) Tom Arnold's there, and he's dressed up too, but he looks like a fuck. He looks like the fucking uh, 
He looks like Farmer John. He's got, like, overalls and shit on, like he's going to a goddamn hoedown, which I guess is what it's supposed to be. But none of, nobody else in the joint is dressed, like, with a Western theme, not the kids or anything. Yeah, at the most, there might be a few kids who are in polos. The only other kid that's actually decked out is Kirby, for some reason. Well, that's the gag, because he's the nerd, and he's wearing his cowboy boots and his fucking... He's a loser. Meanwhile, Ben and his two cronies are, like, sitting there, like, going, like, Where's Kirby? Where's Kirby? Where the fuck is he? <laughs> Where's that little turd, they say. And Rick Moranis is dancing with Victoria, and he's like, whoa, is that your dad dancing with the sex teacher? What I'd like to know is where's Don Knotts? Like, I, I just don't see how that's very professional, whether they're, they're dating or not dating. It's just like, oh, he doesn't know what's going on because he's deaf or something. Uh, You know what else is just hilarious that I realized? You were, we were talking about Mr. Dink before. Guess who voices Mr. Bone in Doug? Who? Don Knotts! <laughs> Vice Principal Lamar Bone. It all comes back around. So they dance and they're starting to like chat it up. And then uh, Fang comes in. He's like, all right, you guys want some punch? Well, he's got Quaaludes in the fucking drinks. <laughs> he's got Mickey's in both of them. He's like, I'm taking Vicky to the, my fucking Bayou retreat. So Davey knocks him out of their hands and spills it all over victoria's dress and he looks like a fucking buffoon and for some reason ben takes this like a weird way well because he's like oh your dad's a fucking spaz man he's like damn it dad you fucking embarrassed me again you've ruined this entire dance with me dad this is my only opportunity to be cool meanwhile in the background victoria's like getting like wiped down by like some other teachers and you just hear her say i didn't really like this dress anyway but like it's never addressed no he's like rick moranis is like touching her boob with a fucking paper towel and she's like would you stop that oh yeah yeah, that, that happened. Yeah, and then, like, Tom Arrow, like, pushes him to the side. It's a weird little scene. It's only, like, two seconds, but it's just strange. And then, like, Tom, Tom Arrow, like, pulls him away and, like, turns him around. Yeah, like, he's defending her or some bullshit. Yeah, it was just weird. It's just a weird scene. He spun him around. He was like, why so serious? You want to know how I got this fang? So he goes to his fucking piece of shit car, which I, di- I didn't notice up to this part that Rick Moranis' car was such a piece of crap. And for some reason, he doesn't go to the police and file charges because Tom Arnold slashes his fucking tires. Yeah, straight up. And he's riding on these rims all the way home. He doesn't just slash his tires. Like, Tom Arnold must have taken, like, a machete and cut a giant circular line through this dude's tires. His tires were butchered. They're just flat as fuck, and he's driving it on the rims. Like, you are going to ruin your rims, you're going to bend them, and you're not going to be able to put tires on them, you fucking moron. What a sad sack you are. And what does Fang think? You're like, that was a good prank. <laughs> Dude, you just cost this guy like 300 bucks. Yeah, he's like, ah, giving this guy pain gets my fucking dick hard. Uh, I feel great again. Well, apparently it does, because right after that, he goes home and fucking starts going further over the edge. He goes home and yells at all of his kids. <laughs> he is so invigorated by the fucking defeat that he has wrought upon fucking Rick Moranis. <laughs> He's like, I'm a genetic jackhammer. Yeah. yeah, he suddenly has a fucking injection of virility and just goes home and he yells at all of his kids, you, go to bed, you, go to bed, you, go to bed. And like goes inside to Kirby and he's like, you, you're all right. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, hey, Carol Kane, come here. I'm going to fuck you. And he's like, all right, kids, get out of the house. I got to fuck your mother. <laughs> he picks her up, carries her in the house and says, I'm buying a sander tomorrow. We're going to stop giving you facials and smoking cigarettes and drinking tab cola because daddy needs a fucking power sander. <laughs> Do we miss when he he, <laughs> he threatens one of his students with death? No, no, not yet. That didn't happen yet. <laughs> it's, it's coming. It's we're getting there. Before that, we have this we have the scene where Rick Moranis is driving on his rims and he catches up with Ben, who's who's apparently going to the bus stop to go live with his mother. But then you kind of find out some pretty dark shit 
Um, you at least some Im implied shit. Like, um, Rick Moranis is like, okay, yeah, you want to go live with your mother? Well, we don't know where she is. And he's like, I'm gonna find mom. And I'm like, no, no, you're not, dude. Oh, oh, I missed this. Oh, so it's implied that like it. He didn't do anything. She just fucking up and left. Yeah, she just split. I, I think the implication there is that like he might have still been like kind of a loser. But it wasn't totally his fault. Yeah, but Rick Moranis is like, you know, we weren't meant for each other and blah, blah, blah. And the kid's like, it was a mistake. And he's like, it was the best mistake I ever made because I had you, son, even though you're a little shit. Even though you're a nightmare and I hate you, but God, I love you, son. <laughs> now, Connor, now is your moment <laughs> to shine. <laughs> oh, my God. This entire sequence was so satisfying because he comes in that class. He's like, hey, kids. <laughs> You want to see a dead body? He's like, he's like, guess what's happening in this class? I'm not taking shit from any of you little fuckers anymore. So this is what's going down. Doesn't someone throw an eraser at him and he spins around and smacks it out of the air? <laughs> it's the same kid from earlier. To demonstrate his newfound authority and power, he grabs a kid by the nape of his neck, pulls him over to a fucking grinding stone, like something you'd, you'd grind metal and shit on, and puts his face inches away from it. <laughs> and he's like, everybody knows a safety tip, right? Don't operate these things without proper... Without proper facial protection, like goggles. He's like, what do you think? And he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> he's like, get the fuck out of my face. He's like, anybody else? This movie's so twisted. <laughs> oh, God. This is this is when the movie was coming to life for me. And, and then one kid raises his hand. He's like, is this going to be on the final? Uh, newsflash. This motherfucker is fired that day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with no pension. Not for any of the uh, subsequent actions, either. Just this one. Every scene that Tom Arnold is in from this point, he's a little bit crazier. He just decides now that he's just gonna openly pick on david so he just he grabs like some fucking oil and he, he pours it on the ground in the teacher's lounge and he and he fucking sticks ink on the telephone and he's like standing by like waiting to fucking jump out at him he like greases up his fucking phone receiver and his and he puts it on the outline of his mug he greases the phone receiver he puts like paint on his mug um and then he like drops oil over the floor doesn't he also like he he takes the um the spring out of the chair or some kind of some integral piece to keep it together so when he sits down to talk to get in the phone he just falls on his ass yeah he sets this shit up and he hides by the door and this poor woman walks in and busts her ass in the fucking ground <laughs> i guess she's like his helper or something because she fucking like breaks her back and tom was like oh my god that wasn't meant for you that was meant for david get out of here he flat says like i'm sorry i'm waiting for david this this trap was not meant for you <laughs> so so this woman now knows that this guy is pulling, like, potentially hazardous pranks on this other guy. And she passes him in the hallway, and he's like, Hey, uh, Penny, can you get those workbooks? She's like, Get the fucking workbooks yourself. And I'm like, who is that? Like, is that his assistant or something? Like, David's assistant? This poor woman's probably so fed up with all this shit by now because she's probably witnessed this for a week now. She's probably. like, I've just broken my ass. I'm done with this. Yeah. So guess what happens? Uh, he walks in and falls on the same thing. And Tom Holland's <laughs> like, ha ha, gotcha. It, it is like the most ridiculous pratfall I've ever seen. It, the pratfall's ridiculous. And like, Tom Arnold does these big, gigantic, like, broad steps like out he's like ha, 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 like full-on fucking court jester like jumping in the air pointing at him going ha, ha, ha. and then he just fucking runs off and then davy picks up the phone and uh I, I thought it was glue on the phone no it's it's he he has like a tube of grease and he puts it on the phone and he puts it on the mug okay that's right and then he takes a drink out of the mug which like first of all that mug was just sitting there. I would just take a sip out of it. Yeah, I guess it was his. But, like, you can see the fucking mound of grease on the fucking mouth 
uh, uh, on the mouth of the mug. He like calls for the principal and he's like, I'm going to the principal's office and I'm going to tell him what you did. And Tom Arnold's like, fuck you. Nobody's going to believe you. And then Tom Arnold more or less cartwheels down the hallway. Yeah, pretty much. And he's giggling his fucking ass off. He didn't, but in my head he did. Yeah, he cartwheels down the hallway and then as Rick Moranis starts running to the principal full sprint, he just fucking trips him and no one even stops to help him. <laughs> no. <laughs> And people are watching him just like, oh, that guy just fell right on his face and broke his fucking ass. Oh, wow, the shop, ke- the shop teacher is being kind of crazy. What are you guys doing Tuesday? <laughs> They're chasing each other down the hallway and, like, nobody's saying a word. Uh, and they they run past both their kids. Um, and they're like, what the fuck are you guys doing? And Tom Arnold, like, slips and, like, slides into a fucking lockers and, like, smashes his face, and then, like... Oh, that's right, he does. Yeah, and then they, like, run into the principal's office, and uh, Rick Moranis, like, slams the door and locks it. He gets uh, accused of being on crack. Yeah, Bo- Booger's in there telling the prin- Don- principal Don Knotts that he thinks David's on crack because of just all this zany shit that's happening. There was also a scene before this where uh, Kirby was, like, in the locker, like, being held up by his underwear, and when, when Rick Moranis opens up the locker and sees him in there, he kind of screams. <laughs> and Booger just like, he's like, ah! And he runs out of the fucking room. He runs off. Oh, I forgot about that. Let me, okay, okay. So Rick Moranis' son gives Kirby the wedgie, okay? We see that in the hallway. But then later, like Sean just said, like, Kirby's hanging from his underwear inside Rick Moranis' locker inside the teacher's lounge. Yeah, it's it's really strange. Why the fuck... Would his kid hang him, hang this kid from his underwear in the? Te- he had the balls to go in the teacher's lounge and put it in his dad's fucking locker. And Rick Moranis, knowing that his son did, his reaction is like, oh, "Atomic wedgie, here, let me help." Yeah, are oh, you getting bullied? Nothing I can do about it. Just deal with it. He's not like I'm gonna go home and beat my son till Sunday comes, but <laughs> just fucking, it's like, oh, well, that happened. Jesus Christ, discipline him in some way. Basically, Clark's in there saying. He thinks David's on crack while David's trying to go in there and throw uh, Fang under the bus. So he walks in and Clark sees David and he like immediately jumps out of his chair and like tries to hide. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I don't even know. Like, I don't get the gag. I don't know why he's scared of David. Oh, he thinks David is paranoid. He thinks that he's making it all up. So he, he's a, a, apparently some kind of loose cannon. Yeah, but like he like freaks out when he, he like screams and runs away from him every time. <laughs> He sees them. At this point, if I was as high-wired as fucking Booger was and all this zany shit kept happening around me, coincidentally, when Rick Moranis is present, I'd probably be a little twitchy around him, too. Yeah, I guess we failed to mention, too, that he has, like, this fucking Eric Draven fucking face makeup going on now because of the <laughs> grease on the fucking mug. As if the Joker correlations weren't strong enough. Hey, Don Knotts, it can't rain all the time. He's giving this serious speech to Don Knotts to explain why the, all this shit is happening. Like, yeah, Fang's after me, this, that, and the other thing. And he's got this ridiculous fucking grease stain all over his face. And Don Knot just looks at him straight in the eye and is like, well, I've heard some crazy stories about you, and this doesn't really add up. That guy's been here for 15 years. You better get your act together or you're fucking fired. Yeah, it's that classic, like, the good guy's the bad guy, asshole kind of thing. But he kind of is an asshole. No, he's totally an asshole. Like, not as big of an asshole as Tom Arnold. Tom Arnold's an asshole, like, meteorically more so, but... I was like, Tom Arnold looped from asshole to, uh, to, uh complete lunatic he's like we're gonna have we're gonna have you replaced davey now get out of my office so so he he's kind of upset you know understandably so and then uh meanwhile ben and kirby kind of have a heart to heart sort of like kirby's in the hallway and he's in the two fucking pukes fucking grab him and they're like come on ben beat him up and he's like yeah i'm not gonna do that because like 
This is stupid. And he's he he calls this kid a fucking asswipe and pushes past him. He's like, put him down, asswipe. And he fucking walks past him and like goes and stands by the door. And Kirby's like, hey, Ben, you feeling okay? Why didn't you pound me? <laughs> and he's like, my parents are divorced. And he's like, I wish my parents would get divorced. And then the scene just ends. There's no resolution to the scene. It just ends. Then they wouldn't keep kicking us out of the trailer every night when they want to take a nap. They keep kicking us out every night out now. I don't know why. I sleep on the dock all the time. Is this the the follow-up to the seesaw sequence where they're both outside again? Well, first you have this scene where basically after they supposedly have this heart-to-heart, fucking Kirby writes this poem that basically goes against everything that just happened in that scene. It's supposed to be an epiphany for Tom Arnold, but it, it happens, but it doesn't. Because he's like, the poem is... Something like, oh, my friend, he beats me up or my, you know, it all rhymes and shit. But it's basically like my friend really isn't my friend at all. He's like my bully. And uh, Tom Arnold's like, oh, yeah, I see. I see what you did there. He guess he doesn't sound like a good friend. He's like, no, he's not. And then he goes to bed. And then you're thinking to yourself, like, okay, Tom, you realize that you've been a fucking asshole, and now you're going to go tell Rick Moranis you're sorry, I guess. Instead, he wakes up and he puts two bombs on two boats. And gives people triggers. He burns a huge stack of money in a fucking warehouse. <laughs> he burns all of his fucking shop wood. He's like, oh, all, all I need is bookends and they're cheap. <laughs> all I want is my fucking power sander. So Tom Arnold, I guess, blows off steam by like working, putting in like after hours in the uh, workshop. And he's like, you know, building something. And Rick Moran slips a fucking note under his door. And it's like, oh, meet me at Seesaw at 7 o'clock. And he's like, okay. At 7 o'clock, it's already fucking dark out. Like, how late is it? <laughs> 7 a.m. Yeah, I guess it's like the winter. Yeah, school will be closed by like 3 o'clock, so. Yeah, it's definitely closed. I mean, school, we used to, Jesus, when we, we used to get out at 145. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, at least in uh, in high school and middle school, we got at like 145, but when I was in elementary school, we definitely got at like 330. Yeah. Well, you also went to school later, too. Yes, we did. The good days. This is a middle school, so we're it's like at least 6th grade, right? Yeah, probably. 6th and 7th and 8th, maybe? Anyway. Yeah, because I think the implication is that it's supposed to mirror when he was a kid, and he says, oh, it was in 6th grade when I, when I wanted to fuck you victoria he's like yeah but you were getting fucked by the high school kids or whatever so he slips the note in the door and tom arnold meets him at the at the seesaw and he's basically just like stop fucking with me tom arnold and he's like but it's so fun it makes me feel good and he's like yeah well you got your life back and now you're taking away mine and he's like just stop it and tom arnold's like you never stood up for anything in your life did you and he's like oh yes i did he's like name one time <laughs> and fucking Rick Moranis spills the beans. <laughs> he's the author of his own doom. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, remember that fucking moon rock you stole? It was me. I told him and I fucking loved it. And then Tom Arnold, the fucking switch is flipped and he just loses his shit. He goes off the fucking deep end. He goes from light speed to ludicrous speed. Yeah. He's gone to fucking plaid. Um, I'm just going to say this now for a joke to follow up on. Uh, so Duel of the Fate starts playing in the background. And, uh, <laughs> these two <laughs> engage in a chase sequence. Well, they basically reenact the last like 40 minutes of Cape Fear. More or less. Or like one of the stepfather movies. Yes. So uh, Rick Moranis like runs into the wood shop and he's like, oh no, I'm in the wood shop. And fucking Tom Arnold comes in and hooks up a goddamn nail gun. And he, like, shoots out the light, and he's like, where are you? I'm going to shoot you with a fucking nail gun. And he all but does. He ends up, like, finding him behind, like, a pile of wood, and then, like, pulls a nail gun out and, like, shoots a fucking outline of Rick Moranis, like, around him with the nail gun. First of all, I have to say, like, bravo. That's really impressive. (laughs) 
It's a nail gun. I can't imagine they're very accurate. Like, if you're trying to scare him, you did it. And, like... You scared me. Shit. Yeah. The next step is to shoot Rick Moranis in his fucking eyelids. <laughs> but, uh, the, he pull, he pulls the hose out of the compressor and the fucking gun goes dead. And then Rick Moranis picks up a 2x4 and fucking cracks him upside the head with it. So shit's real. We've gone from, like... Don't bother me to, like, I'm trying to kill you. Yeah, like, we, we shift gears from playing pranks that kind of, that, like, totally suck if they happen to you. But, like, now we're trying to hurt each other physically. And, and this is, like, one of many times in this whole, f- I'll call it a fight sequence, even though I don't know if that's even a good name for what this is. Where Rick Moranis could have just been, like, put his hands in there and be like, listen, uh, clearly I made a bad call on that. Uh, is there any way we can work this out? Instead, he just continuously runs away from this guy and, like, taunts him. Somehow we go from the shop to Davey runs back into the fucking woods. Well, first he runs into the gym, and he's trying to hide from him in the gym. He sets up the fucking, uh, the pitching machine and starts hitting him in the face with it. Not even a concussion. First of all, that's death. That's, that's, you're dead. I don't care. You're getting knocked the fuck out if you get hit in the face with that, for sure. You have brain damage. Or your your nose is broken, you're missing some teeth. Orbital bones shattered. No, well, he's a woolly bully, so he just fucking... Runs through it and knocks it over. And then Rick Moranis climbs a fucking rope. So Tom Arnold's like looking for him and he's like, where are you, Davey? And he sees the rope next to him and Rick Moranis had climbed the rope and he fucking grabs the rope and he shakes it. And he's like, hey, Davey boy. Oh, he has a, f- he has a fucking uh, welder's torch, like a portable one, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, how about a little fire, Scarecrow? And he fucking lights the rope on fire. Now, David's all the way up at the top, you know, and how big's a, how tall is a gymnasium? 40 feet? It's got to be at least, yeah. They're, they're fucking high. Okay. It's like 40 feet, right? At least. And uh, he lights the fucking rope on fire like Home Alone 2. And Rick Moranis is all the way at the top. And he's like crawling through the fucking rafters because he burns the rope off. He's like Jackie Chan at the end of fucking Rush Hour, the way he's climbing up <laughs> through these rafters. Uh, and then he like climbs out the window on the roof. And then all of a sudden we're in the forest, right? Yeah. You know, they only had a few sets. It like slam cuts to the fucking forest. And now this is this is where I felt like Steve Miner. I mean, as stupid as this movie is, this whole scene kind of shines for me in this movie because it's like Steve Miner's like, all right, here's my fucking wheelhouse. Yeah. Steve Miner's like, all right. We're playing fucking, we got Jason Voorhees going after a camper, and Rick Moranis is the camper, and fucking Tom Arnold's Jason Voorhees, because we're going through these fucking woods, and it's a legitimate, like, horror movie, like, stalk sequence, uh, or, and, and, like, Rick Moranis is, like, the final girl, and he's, like, running through a fucking cave that, he's, they, he, like, goes back to, like, the waterfall and the secret spot that we talked about before that we see in the beginning of the movie, and he's like going in. He goes into like his little cave where he used to spend a lot of time. And Fang shows up, and he's like, he's like, ah, it's just me and you, Davy. And there's this red rock that I'm pretty sure Sean mentioned too. You're not supposed to go past it because there's like, there's like a, there's like, you know, a legend about like going past this red rock. Anyway, he runs right past it, and Fang's like, this was kind of. It was an interesting piece of writing because it shows you psychologically, like, where Tom Arnold's character is at. Because it suddenly becomes too real for him? No, it suddenly becomes like he's a child again. He's like, wait, don't go past the Red Rock. You can't go past the Red Rock. There's bad stuff in there. Rather than just chasing this grown-ass man past this Red Rock. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, what did they think was back there? Like, fucking radioactive waste? The meteorite from Chronicle. Yeah, One-Eyed Willie's pirate ship is in there. They must have spent a lot of money on this fucking cave set because it's pretty cool. It looks like they fucking stole it from the set of gold diggers with fucking Christina Ricci and uh, what's her face from My Girl. What is it? They chase him out into like this fucking waterfall 
with this like dingy ass I don't even want to call it a bridge. It's a log. It's it's like debris. It's a fucking log with shit on it. Davy gets halfway across, looks over at Roscoe, and it's like, it's over, I have the high ground. There. So now it's all looped back around. As he's crawling on this fucking debris ridden log bridge, he finds the evil Knievel doll with its head ripped off that he had thrown in the uh, the river all those years ago. Oh, I missed that part entirely. Yeah, man, he finds the actual evil Knievel doll and he has like an epiphany. He's like he's like because he always looked up to Evil Knievel, that's why he bought it. He's like, I bought my Evil Knievel doll because I thought he was the coolest guy and he wasn't afraid of anything. So he essentially becomes the quote-unquote Evil Knievel and he throws the Evil Knievel doll off the side and he like makes his stand. He like picks up a fucking branch and he's like, come on, motherfucker, I'm gonna bash your fucking brains in. Yeah, like, what was his plan? Like, anything besides hitting him and knocking him off of that driftwood, what else was he thinking? That was the only option. His plan was murder. Murder? <laughs> Damn. Yeah, like, what was your other choice? Like, you're gonna bash this fucking guy's head in and he's gonna go fucking tumbling over head over heels in this fucking waterfall. No matter which way this ends, that's how it's gonna end. It ends with someone dying. Yeah. Or at least coming dangerously close. Fang comes out and Rick Moranis like swings at him and ends up whacking him like in the stomach and he slips and he falls and he grabs his tree branch. And instead of Rick Moranis like helping him back up, he just lets the fucking branch break and he falls to his death. He makes zero effort. He watches his childhood adversary fall to his possible death and like he has like a bit of solace but also like he's totally shook by it and he's like oh my god i just killed this guy so he runs back into town and he's banging on the fucking police's door and he's like hell open up you fucking stupid bastards i killed somebody he's like fucking thinking back to his earlier in his career when he's rick moranis banging on that fucking restaurant window he's like let me in let me in you little pooch Maybe I got a milk bone. Yeah, instead of a terror dog, Ulf shows up. He goes home, right? And then Jeffrey Tambor's still outside fucking trimming his hedges. Even Rick Moranis is like, it's, what are you doing outside, Art? And he's like, well, you know, trim, you know, yard work's the best at midnight. He's like, my strawberry thing, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, Art, Art, shut up, Art, Art, listen, I think I did something bad. And he's like, oh, you killed Roscoe, huh? Threw him off a fucking <laughs> waterfall. And he's like, how did you know that? And he's like, Ah, I just figured. Am I a murderer? And he's like, well, only you can figure out if you're a murderer or not. It's all a matter of perspective. You know, it's semantics. The first time I tried to kill my wife. And he's like, you tried to kill your wife? And he's like, you're crazy. And he's like, oh, Mr. High and Mighty, whatever. And like Rick Moranis is like walking away from me. He's like... He's like, what happened to Roscoe? Did you kill Roscoe? He threw him off a fucking cliff. I didn't kill the shopkeeper. You killed the shop teacher. And meanwhile, he's like yelling this in like the at midnight and, and Rick Moranis is like sh- trying to shush him as he's like walking to his door. Yeah, it's a very bizarre sequence of really dark comedy that actually I think I kind of enjoyed. Uh, and then he, he gets inside and like, Tom Arnold is, like, already there or something? No, we're wrapping this up quick. This is why I said, like, the movie fires a gun and just is like, go, and runs to the finish line. Yeah, because we, he, he, Rick Moranis comes inside, and Kirby and Ben are sitting down watching TV, and he's like, he's like, hey, Dad, what's up? He's like, yeah, it's cool if Kirby sleeps over, and he's like, yeah, and he's like, have you seen my dad? He's like, no, good night, and he goes upstairs, and he falls asleep and has a dream, and then, like, Tom Arnold... I guess, snuck into the house because he's looming over him in his bedroom. And he's like, I thought you were dead. He's like, nope, but you're gonna be. They have a high school shirt pulling fight. They're throwing like mouthwash at each other. Oh yeah, Davey pulls out the fucking hairdryer. Toiletries and a hairdryer. 
He's like, what are you going to do, style my hair? Derp. <laughs> he, like, runs at him, and, like, Tom Arnold jumps on top of him, and is like, they're, like, choking each other on the bed. And the kids walk in, they're like, what are you guys doing? And Tom Arnold's like, oh, uh, are you sleeping over? And he's like, oh, is that okay? He, like, turns to Rick Moranis, he's like, is that okay? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, that's great. All right, guys. Well, see ya. And Kirby's just like, yeah, me and Ben made up. Can you guys just, like, make up? Can you guys act like adults? Yeah, can you cut the shit, please? And then he's like, come on, come on, Ben, we're going to go watch Connie. Yeah, and then Tom Arnold and Rick Moranis are like, Okay. Rick Moranis is like, why did you steal the moon rock? And we're supposed to like give a shit because Tom Arnold's like, I I wanted to be an astronaut, but you know, that's kind of stupid because somebody like me could never be an astronaut. And Rick Moranis is like, oh, you did okay. And Tom Arnold's like, uh, not really. He's like, he's like, don't make fun of me. And he's like, I'm not. He's like, you got a great kid there. And he's like, yeah. And then that's it. And then, like, if he cut to the next day... Lesson learned. Oh, the, the, and the big thing is uh, he chips his tooth during the fight, so Fang is, quote-unquote, gone. This movie this movie wraps up all of its fucking loose ends and, and plot in, like, two minutes. Are you insinuating your fucking maniacal uh, outlook on life was encapsulated in your fucking fucked-up tooth? And now that it's broken off, you're fine? <laughs> It was his horror crooks. They fucking killed it, and now he's back to normal. So then we like we just like we just cut to the next day, and like they're moving again. Yeah, back to the city. Wait, and now we're going back to New York City. Is that where they live in the beginning? The, they lived in well, they lived in Oakland to back to Minnesota, and now to New York. Yeah, what the fuck is that? They lived in they were. Why aren't you moving back to Oakland? Why are they moving again? You get this job for a semester, and see you later. Yeah, I know you just bought a house, but we don't need you anymore. No, but that's what I was getting at earlier. I mean, at this point, would you stick around there after uh, all of this has gone down? No, because it's a small t- it's a small town, and everybody knows everything there, champ. Yep. It doesn't make any sense because you're in Oakland. They ask you to come for a semester. You buy a fucking house. And then you're going to move out after the semester's over, like after you're done teaching, and now you're moving to New York City. What are we fucking doing here? What? I don't get it. Anyway, um, Victoria is now, uh, I guess, his girlfriend? Maybe? Sure? She's, she's about to be his wife because he's like, he's like, ah, I'll call you when we get to New York. I guess she's going to move in with him there. And then we get the, the grand payoff to this hilarious, uh, totally flawless green eggs and ham gag. Oh, yeah, the fucking, they bring the last box out, and Victoria trips and fucking eats shit, and the, all these books fall out, and guess what's in there? Green eggs and ham! <laughs> He's like, go return this for before you go to New York. <laughs> Yo, that's fucked up, because he, he fucking sticks her with the bill. <laughs> He's like, yeah, go ahead. It's no big deal. He's like, why aren't you in New York? She's like, I'm broke. Yeah, grandma's going to be like, where's my $6,500.10, you prick? So they're just like, they're just getting ready to fucking leave. And he runs back into Fang again. Fang comes to the house to see him off. And I guess he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, you know, not bad. If you're in New York, you know, uh, hit me up or drop me a line or whatever. And he's like, okay. Wait, the most important part of the scene is that he he's like, I got you a little going away gift. And he opens it up and it's a, it's like a immaculate Evil Knievel doll. And he's like, oh, thank you. And that's supposed to be the signifier that everything's fun and he's made up and like he's sorry for everything that he's done i guess or something i don't know it's very strange so then he's like yeah you have a new york city look me up hey he's like yeah i'll do that and then they're on the road him and the kid are on the road they leave and then it slam cuts to tom arnold with all of his 17 kids and carol kane in the, in the car and they're driving their mobile home yeah carol kane's like are you sure that he he said it's okay that we're coming and he's like yep and we got a mobile home. That's why they call it mobile. Going to New York City. And then the camera slowly pans back as the psycho theme plays and the movie ends. Yeah, he's like fucking Cousin Eddie. 
<laughs> yeah, we're going to take that camper with us when we leave next month. And that's it. The movie just ends. It fucks right off. <laughs> totally. And then fucking Wooly Bully fucking rings through the fucking air again, and then that's that. God damn it. This is a movie that I just, I don't know really what the point of any of it was. Like, No, it's completely meaningless. Things happen, and then it ends. It's like an hour and 24 minutes long without credits it has no business being this long no there's just not enough there like the dynamics that this movie's trying to convey like never really go where they need to be like it's if this movie was funnier it'd be better um and it kind of doesn't know what it wants to do because i feel like steve Miner's like trying to make a comedy but he's got too much like horror roots in him yeah i mean i don't even necessarily think that rick moranis or tom arnold are bad in this movie i mean well Relatively speaking, I mean, Tom Arnold's not a great actor to begin with, but... I think what happened, you probably had a a pitch that was way darker, and, like, it went through several pairs of hands until it was this. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, the performances from from everyone are fine. Like, Jeffrey Tambor's good, Rick Moranis is good, Tom Arnold's fine, Booger's good, uh, Don Knotts, like, everybody's everybody's fine. Um, It's just not... A particularly engaging movie and it's not a very it's not a good comedy it's not a good drama and it's just not it's just kind of nothing like it's bizarre i i left this movie saying how strange it was yeah it's just it's offbeat last episode you were talking about house of the dead and how that is a movie for people that say they like horror but don't actually like horror this movie is a comedy for people that say they like comedies but don't actually like comedy it's for bits for comedies that people don't have a sense of humor i can get on board with that yeah like it, it it's it's not like you know offensive in any way it's just kind of you watch it there's a few good scenes and the rest of it's just forgettable i think it might be at least a little bit noteworthy because like rick moranis's career like kind of ended and then that was it his wife passed away and he took he took an absence from from acting and then that was that i i think it's also like i think i heard somewhere that he had enough money from like all the the honey i shrunk the or whatever that's franchise the money from that was so good and kept rolling in he was like i don't have to work anymore i mean i think there was a lot of personal issues there as to why he did that you know it was just close to the chat you know it's very it's a it's personal for him you know this is definitely not one of the shining stars in his uh resume well no i think it's like i said i was gonna say it's noteworthy because like rick moranis's career is compared to people who he came up with is a fraction of the length so you have this kind of like chunk of time where it's like that's rick moranis's movies and that's all you'll ever get some of those honey has shrunk the kid movies i mean the third one's pretty bad which we referenced earlier one and two i mean one's great two's decent two is fine i i like honey i blew up the kid uh, we got everybody returning for that one, and I thought that was. I, th- I think it's just kind of a fun movie that a giant baby. It, it's like an ato- that movie plays on a, an atomic age movie, like uh, you know, Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman or what have you. But like, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves was obviously a cash in, and he wasn't going to turn down free money for that. I mean, come back as Wayne Zelinsky, you know, and it's it's a fine movie. Like it's it's a cute director video, whatever. You know what I mean? It's a kids movie, and I used to watch it a lot. Uh, me and my sister used to watch that movie a lot when we were kids, as well as, you know, the first one and the second one. I don't think I've seen any of the sequels. Again, this movie isn't bad, but it's not good. There's nothing spectacular about it at all unless you want to sit down for a really weird performance, a really weird story from a bunch of, like, kind of scattershot comedians and actors. It's just, like, gray for me. Like, it's just... Bleh. I think it definitely belongs in the dumpster i just like where do you guys think in the dumpster do you also agree it goes in the dumpster i mean in a grand scheme of things like it, it sucks but it sucks probably like maybe the least of 
like everything we've watched so far that's just been straight up bad because i don't want to consider like bad taste bad or like equilibrium to be bad but like this is inoffensive to me this is not anywhere near like house of the dead or dungeons and dragons or anything like that this is a movie you would find in someone's garbage this is something you'd find by someone's fucking curb in like a box of shit so it's not like the dumpster but it's in like a shitty crate next to the garbage can just filled with miscellaneous shit that was in the garage or in the basement in a corner that's where this movie goes for me and only on vhs because i'm i can't imagine anyone ever owned this on dvd <laughs> if you own this on dvd there's something wrong with you oh man i can't wait for big bully to come out on blu-ray is is this even available on dvd it is i looked it up it's definitely like not surface level you know it's not up there with like rump or equilibrium but i don't know i think it's definitely still in the dumpster it's just not very deep in there. It's, you know, you move a few fucking newspapers and it's there. You know, it's it's not hurting anybody. It's like something that someone just kind of go, eh, and just kind of toss because they don't really need it. It's right next to the broken Evil Knievel doll. Yeah, exactly. And you, you might even dig it out, just be like, huh, what's this about? And you watch and you're like, and then you put it back because just like, you know, it was there for a reason. <laughs> I don't need this. But it's one of those things where you're like, oh man, Rick Moranis. And then you're like, oh, Tom Arnold's kind of funny. Okay, uh, uh, let's check it out. You pick it up and go, oh, Rick Moranis from Ghostbusters. Oh, and that guy from Roseanne. This is a movie when you went to A to Z video and you were just looking for something to watch and you're just like, eh, I'll give it a shot. And then you just returned it immediately and never thought about it again. That's what this movie is. I don't think I've ever rented this movie, but like it was totally on TV a ton when I was a kid. I mean, if this was on TV when I was a kid, I don't remember it. Not vividly but i remember the movie i remember specifically the end where they're on the fucking uh when they're on the log thing yeah i mean i, th- I think i'm in the same boat as you joe like i remember the log scene i remember the the fucking pee scene just because of the way that uh curtis armstrong fucking plays this character the whole movie and i remember that uh tom arnold is an asshole to rick moranis but other than that like i didn't remember a whole lot from this movie if my memory serves correct like I remember thinking it was strange as a kid like it just feels weird like when you watch the movie it's very uneven put it that way well like you said like as soon as the the waterfall sequence happens like Steve Miner forgets he's directing a comedy and directs it like he directed a horror movie exactly it goes I mean we switch gears but uh like you said Connor about about the um this was probably darker to begin with and I totally buy that maybe it would have been better yeah I think so I can't come up with too many examples of like mainly horror directors switching to something this like sanitized like i said there's george miller but that's like it's such a radical departure and like george miller's filmography is like not very long because he makes a movie every once in a while i don't really know of anybody else who went from all horror to a weird blip in your career comedy but he's also done like a lot of dramas too but this isn't even a good drama either no all of his dramatic elements are wrapped up in minutes then you have like mick garris uh, you know, he's doing Critters 2, and he's doing, like, Sleepwalkers, and then he does Batteries Not Included. Oh, okay, yeah, that's actually a pretty good example. I always kind of associate Steve Miner and Mick Garris, like, kind of in the same wheelhouse. They're not, like, the most notable directors, and but you've totally seen a bunch of movies that they've done. Mick Garris, didn't he have something to do with Hocus Pocus? I believe he wrote it. Oh, shit, there you go. <laughs> although, although, just because it needs to be said, um, after House of the Dead... I don't care what we would have watched. 
I would have liked it a lot more. I think that's why I'm going easy on this guy, on this movie, because after House of the Dead, I wanted to fucking burn my eyes out. After House of the Dead, I would have rather watched a dog shitting on its own balls for two hours, and I would have been perfectly fine. But now, like, actually watching, like, it's a competent movie. Like, it's competently directed and, and edited, and it's just like, oh, it's just fine, you know, whatever. Oh, you're not House of the Dead. Congratulations. You- you're not. <laughs> Good on you. So that's it. That's Big Bully from 1996. 1996 <laughs> 1996 teacher sex education so that's it that's big bully from 1996 directed by steve minor if you want some more bad movie goodness you can check us out at moviedumpsterpodcast.com follow us at movie dumpster on facebook instagram and twitter also check out our sister podcast the phantom zone hosted by our very own Connor mcgraw you can find them at phantomzonepodcast.wordpress.com I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor McGraw. Thanks for visiting the dumpster. You were my friend and you betrayed me! Oh, you thought we were friends, huh? You beat me up, you humiliated me! I'm 35 years old, I still have nightmares about the fourth grade! That's not what friends are supposed to do for each other! A friend is supposed to make you feel good about yourself! Really? Well, then you're the best friend I ever had!